2: coming up on the rub well you know if you if you walk around a barbecue contest you wouldn't be shocked to see some cartoon type stuff on a guy's pit sign or something like that so that was kind of in my head you know i guess that was probably the spark but the main thing for me when you walk in a big barbecue store uh, like there's a, a chain. I won't mention the name. You walk in, and to me, everyone's products look the same from 15 feet. You've got to walk right up to it to see what the difference is. And again, I just wanted to be different.
1: We really have to wait until yeah, basically once all applications are in before we can even uh, even start because um, we have to have all of the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and so once we have all those in place, we then uh, basically look at how can we maximize the space that we have available to us. And for the most part uh, teams are consistent with uh, their sizes. Uh, like a lot of them have been there for a long time. They want to be, you know, they've, they've been a 26 by 50 for forever and that's just what they want to be. And they've got all their setup designed for it.
0: From the backyard to competition cooking, this is a show about barbecue, grilling, recipes, and more.
3: This is The Rub. And now from Memphis Barbecue Supply, Here's Jimmy Shodwell. This is a show that's all about barbecue, outdoor grilling, and competition cooking. I'm alongside Forrest Goodman from the studios of 600 WREC, 92.1 FM in Memphis, Tennessee, home of the world's best barbecue. Coming up,
0: you have seen him on Pitmasters and you probably have sampled his products. Matt Pittman with Meat Church joins us. Plus, what's going on right now to prepare Tom Lee Park for Memphis in May? That includes Bill Street Music Fest, the barbecue contest, and more. Daniel Lewandowski with Memphis in May joins us. But let's get started, Jimmy, talking about something that could affect Memphis in May and something that definitely could affect Tom Lee Parks, a topic we've talked a lot about in recent weeks that proposed redevelopment of Tom Lee Park. We got news earlier this week. Governor Bill Lee and his budget wants to give some money to that redesign
3: yeah the daily memphian broke the news and it was interesting the governor has submitted his supplemental budget uh for the year and a part of that supplemental budget was 10 million dollars for the tom lee park renovations now from the article from dave memphian and from what our sources have told us that request to the governor came from Mayor Strickland. So Mayor Strickland has requested $10 million to go to the redevelopment of Tom Lee Park, which is really interesting being the fact that Mayor Strickland is the one who told MRPP, Memphis River Park Partnership, and Memphis and May to go go to mediation to work out their issues on how to fit everything in the park and what the design of the park is going to look like. So before we even know all that, what's going on with mediation, the mayor who's asked these folks to go to mediation – is getting ten million dollars for one of the parties in mediation, so it's it's interesting to see what's happening. The news is broken this week about that, and uh, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. As I mean, Memphis May is right around the corner, so they've got to make a decision here shortly. Right, and I I also would dare say, you know, remember the original date we were given is they wanted
0: to turn shovels when the month of May ended yep. and all of the festivities ended. I would say that would have to be a, a that's probably a hard call to make now. I don't yeah. know. I'm not in on the planning, but I would say time is running out on that plan.
3: Yeah, and it's, it, time is running out. I mean, June was supposed to be when the shovels were going to be turned on the project. Um, it, per the Daily Memphian article and what we've heard, they've only raised between this $10 million and what they've raised is about $40 million of the $60 million they need for the redevelopment. So my question is, if are they going to start the redevelopment without the money in hand? Where's the extra twenty? or so million dollars going to come from um and this is going to put in limbo what's going to happen not just this year in 2019 for the construction but actually we're already going to be looking at 2020 where is memphis may going to be at are we going to have construction going on these i mean it's it's going to be interesting it's going to happen over the next couple weeks
0: Country got to know Matt Pittman with Meat Church when he appeared on the popular Pitmasters TV show several years ago. As a matter of fact, visit his website, MeatChurch.com, and you're greeted with a picture of Matt with Myron Mixon and other members of the gang from the Pitmasters. Well, today, Meat Church is behind some of the best competition cooking out there, along with classes and events and numerous products, too. Matt gives us the
3: background of what got him started. I tell people
2: that I've always been like the outdoor cook. I've You know, growing up, my grandma taught me how to cook, not barbecue, just kind of cook southern food. And, you know, I always had this, like, love of cooking. And I moved to Texas when I was 13 and just got enamored. I've always been enamored with fire. Like, I wanted to be a fireman. And so once I started fire being cooked, I, I mean, meat being cooked over live fire, I just naturally started being the dude that would grill. And so... You know, now I'm about 20 years into season tickets with the Cowboys, and I was always the guy that did our tailgates and cooking, and I do these big crawfish boils and whatever. And one day just decided through a couple buddies that we would compete and barbecue, N- nothing serious. It was all about, a guy called me and he said, hey, my dad's got this big pit, we're going to cook like 60 racks of ribs this weekend, and I'm like, I'm in. Oh, yeah. And so we did that for a while. Um, just every weekend, we'd not every weekend, but periodically we'd go – you know, make barbecue on an offset, and it was a ton of meat. It was like everybody knew we were cooking. We'd make you two or three slabs of ribs or brisket, wherever you wanted. Then we decided we'd compete, and it was, I mean, it was just for fun. We didn't think much of it, but as you know, as soon as you get in a competition barbecue, you realize it's a real serious world. And uh, I always tell this story. Those guys I was cooking with, those two two buddies, college buddies, we were at a, at a competition in Texas, and my buddy's an electrician, and he pulled a screwdriver out of his front pocket, and it wasn't a new screwdriver. And he mixed up the barbecue sauce, and he said, here, try this. <laughs> so I took the barbecue sauce off the nasty screwdriver, and in that moment, I said, I'm going to take this a little more seriously going forward. Um, but we actually won ribs that day. So anyway, um, that's when I went off on my own and created a team called Meat Church. It was me and my brother. You know, and shortly thereafter, I mean, we, had, we always had success. We weren't we're not Travis Clark, we're not, you know, burning the world down, but we'd go to a competition, we'd get a call or two, and enjoyed it, and thought I'd try out for Pitmasters, and, you know, got on, and that was a funny story in and of itself, and, um, and on we went, took a couple rubs that I make on the show, and they showed it, and, you know, we had a website launched by the time it aired, and that thing dinked around for six or seven months, and then all of a sudden around the holidays, it kind of took off a little bit and it was it was really truly a hobby like a fun hobby but it, it was not well I didn't think it turned into this and so you know the next year it grew more and I thought dang this thing made a little money and I've always been an entrepreneur so kind of after the first 18 months I started thinking this could be something then it became pretty intentional so we're five years in and uh, most people know this by now but this past December I left my corporate career of 21 years which was a really good job. It just wasn't some eight to five that, you know, I made a hourly wage and supported my family. Like, you know, when I tell people what I was responsible for, it was it wasn't hard for me to leave. But it was hard for my wife to say, "Why the heck would you leave that?" Mm-hmm. But point is, being able to grow to, to grow this business to the point to walk away from that is like the coolest thing of my whole life yeah, for sure.
0: Let's backtrack a little bit. You mentioned um, your your time on Pitmasters, and I mean that was. I mean that was a show that i think just did leaps and bounds for just outdoor grilling and barbecue and that sort of thing because it got people even more interested what was that like especially what we ended up seeing on tv and what you witnessed behind the scenes
2: well i i agree with you and it's kind of a shame that it's not still rolling because it was i don't know if saying it was iconic and barbecue is a bold too bold of a statement but it was kind of like the thing, you know. If you were into barbecue, yeah. you, you watch that show. And, you know, I didn't have any business being on there. You know, I again, I didn't have 97 GCs, and I went in saying that I didn't try to say I was anything that I, I wasn't. But we made a pretty funny tryout video, and I guess it was better than all the bubble Gumps that used that. iPhone to make the <laughs> video, and they caught their eye, and off we went with it. But, um, it was it was really, I mean, honestly, I don't get nervous, but it's interesting because my introduction to Myron, Tuffy, and Moe was literally the beginning of the show, like the intro to the show. They don't let you meet them. You don't shake their hands. I mean, honestly, I thought that, I still think that's really weird. And so my introduction to Myron was us kind of poking fun at each other. Um, and, I mean, it's a real deal, right? It's, it's a game show. They have right. an official there, and it's... Uh, you know it's it's real, and so the only time they turn your mic off is if you've got to go to the, the the porta potty. So that's that's intense. I mean, you know, you cook something, and some you know you're thinking, dang, everybody's going to see this. Granted, they want you to look good, but they watch everything you do, and if you do something without them recording, they make you back up and redo it. And I mean, it was super cool. I made lifelong friends out of it. The uh, lessons, I mean, I lost on the show. I guess technically, I kind of turned out all right for me. Right, but. Um, you know, I I lost, I have learned a real valuable lesson. I started my brisket later than I should have. And I ran out of time and Tuffy gave me some notes that I put in my iPhone that are still in there to this day. Oh wow! He said, I'm gonna give you some advice. He said, looking back is better than looking ahead and overs are better than unders. And so I, I use that in my education when I teach people, you know, you can always have barbecue ready early and hold it for a long time, but it was awesome. It was, you know, certainly a stepping point. People say you could leverage TV appearance for a year, and I'm still milking every drop
3: out. So that was like yeah. 2014, and you were on the show with uh, I think Junior was on with you, Junior Reyes, who we've interviewed before. Yeah, Junior's been on here, uh, but uh, yeah, it was a good show. But uh, you were talking about that segueing that to classes uh, that you teach. I mean, you've been teaching now classes what for about five, six years uh, in yeah, Texas? Yeah,
2: about, about so, yeah. So the company is five years old this month, and I started pretty. I didn't start right away after we were on there but it was just a few months after we kind of got a rub in a couple stores and I started doing some backyard classes but that's what I have a huge passion for so I'm a. they told me on that show that I was that was their kindred barbecue nerd and they had never met somebody but the producers they said they'd never met somebody with the knowledge that I had and and it's a random pile of knowledge it's it's not just comp I mean it's you know restaurant barbecue and all the the who's who of that world, people that have shared stuff with me. So I, I have a real passion for learning and teaching, and I always thought it was cool when I sat down in a cooking class. So that's really what I'm about. I mean, granted, I've got a bunch of products that underlie my brand and fuel what I do, but I'm I'm all about educating and spreading kind of the gospel of spoke me, as I like to say.
3: I mean, you talk about the gospel. You've got a rub named The Gospel. You've got some interesting names of different rubs. Uh, we've got them here at the store at Memphis Barbecue Supply, and I brought you into our store, uh, not just sight unseen. Brought them in because people had mentioned about you, about your social media, uh, about four years ago, uh, and got you going in our store, and it's just been a good seller for us because uh, you've got a wide selection. You've got sweet, like a hot uh, uh, a honey hog, but you've got the black pepper rubs, like a gospel rub that's just different that you don't find around round here where did the flavors all come from these different rubs
2: well so I started out with what we took on pitmasters was holy cow and, and what's now known as honey hog and so before I tell you the flavors the funny story about that I was picking up an ingredient for one of my rubs at a place that I now know as a co-packer I didn't know what that was at the time and um, you know the guy told me that he could make my rub and I was shooting the show in three weeks so I drove back to work called my brother told him And he's like, well, do it. So I called the guy back and I said, make my beef rub and call it Meat Church Holy Cow. And that's how the company was started. But (laughs) that was my my first rub. And that was really because, you know, in Texas, they say that Central Texas barbecue, my inspiration, is salt and pepper barbecue. Sometimes it's a little more complex than that. There's a little more going on. So Holy Cow has a little bit more in it. But I think it's really Central Texas. And so that's really kind of the keystone of everything. But... You know, again, I wasn't intending at that time to have a line with 14 rubs or w- or whatever the case is. I just wanted to get into you know I see what everybody else is doing and I needed a more balanced barbecue rub, more of an all-purpose. And so we kind of went out into that and in that side with the with the honey hog. But from there, you know, I tried to see what am I missing? What you know, what do I need to do? So I always say I'm not trying to be all things to all people. I'm not I'm not intending to have a hundred barbecue skews. And have every rub but I do want to paint kind of the biggest stroke so you know if I'm to look at what people are cooking like the top ten things people barbecue well I want to have something they can use for that that's kind of my goal so after we had a couple rubs I was like you know what there's a pecan rub in Texas that's really popular so we added pecan to honey hog and then of course being in Texas you got to have hot stuff and so I would say that I'm not trying to be anybody else also I'm not trying to I'm really unique I'm not There's, I don't think there's anybody else out there really like me, but you know, Chipotle rubs are really popular in the market, and I thought, well, what could I do? And that's when we added jalapeno, try honey rub to make honey hog hot. So we've just kind of cut our own path, I guess I would say.
3: in in your branding that you've got i mean it's not just the branding of meat church it's the logos design your labels i mean you're talking about the pecan rub it's called D's nuts (laughs) d-e-e-z nuts Uh, D's nuts and people walk by store and they look at that and they do a double take at the label not just because it's a a, a, the name but how the label looks a little squirrel holding a couple nuts and uh the blue and green on the label it catches their eye so that kind of marketing that you're doing is kind of inspirational to some of these guys who are just coming up and creating their new rubs and sauces. Um, ha- what, what was your thought process behind all that?
2: Well, you know, if you, if you walk around a barbecue contest, it, you wouldn't be shocked to see some cartoon-type stuff on a guy's pit sign or something like that. So that was kind of in my head. You know, I guess that was probably the spark. But the main thing for me, when you walk in a big barbecue store, uh, like there's a, a chain, I won't mention your name. You walk in, and to me, everyone's products look the same from 15 feet. You've got to walk right up to it to see what the difference is. And, again, I just wanted to be different. And so the the original labels of the first two rubs are just black and white. And then I went to a, a cartoon artist, and I had him illustrate. I, I, I'm the marketing behind everything. So I'll say, hey, I want a cow preaching. And he'll pencil sketch it, and I'll say yay, nay, make a tweak, whatever, and then he'll color it in and we'll go. And So that's that's how we started. So I'm so particular about it though. The gospel rub sat in my hip pocket for a year because I said I couldn't get the marketing right and I always wanted to say something with like the gospel the business something like that and I was I was a little bit afraid that I I grew up in Tennessee and Alabama, Southern Baptist and I don't want to spend my family, you know, too much with the meat church stuff. I I believe you can put one foot over the line but you don't want to you don't want to go too. So um you know, I, I just really kind of work hard when I get an inspiration for an idea to make sure I get it kind of the look that I want. I don't ever want to sacrifice and put anything out that's subpar. So we'll take our time. I mean, we've got one in the can right now that I really wanted to come out right now for the beginning of grilling and barbecue season. And I just I, – I don't have it perfected, so I just keep sitting on it. Well, you can bring it to Memphis
3: it. in May and let me try it out down there in I'll Memphis in May I'll if you want me to. for sure. <laughs> speaking, speaking of that uh, – partners i mean you, you've got a lot of partners either ambassador <clears throat> excuse me you got a lot of partners either ambassadors or you work with like Treger and yeti and Mirrorlight and a couple of folks you've got a lot of stuff going on not just working your brand but showing off other people's brands what's on the agenda for 2019 for you
2: well, and I'll say something about those partners first. You know, I, and that's another thing I want to be unique. Like I, I feel like people go win a barbecue contest or do well in it, and they want to thank 19 sponsors like they are in NASCAR, and that's definitely not what I'm trying to do. Um, I just want other brands to be proud, to want to work with me, and every everybody that we partner with is, is, is really organic. It's something that we use, believe in, whatever the case may be. And I'm honestly super lucky to be my age and, and have guys like, miller light behind me that's insane uh, you know i called my mom the day i did that deal and i was like mom i have a paying beer contract this is <laughs> crazy uh it was like i told her it was the coolest day of my life and she just laughed at me and then when they came to deliver my beer the first time i called back i go no this is the coolest day of my <laughs> life <laughs> i can understand uh, definitely <laughs>
1: We, you know, I don't,
2: it's funny, I definitely do not set out and say, hey, I want to go land these things. It never happens that way. It is totally relationships. It's just working with people. I think good people help other good people, and if me and someone else I'm working with think that we ought to do something together, then, you know, we may do it. But I don't say, man, I got Goodyear tires on my trailer. I really want to go. It's not that at all. So the Miller Coors thing came from catering barbecue for Luke Bryan four years in a row, and Being backstage with a guy that works for Miller Coors telling me he loves my brand and one day we should work together, and now that's uh, a very key relationship for me. And and a lot of the events I've done this year have been for those guys. I mean, they got me in Houston Rodeo. You, You know, you can't get in Houston, and they got me in there to compete. So it's been badass, to say the least.
3: I mean, you, you do have some great stuff coming up, and you've got some, like, shop classes with Treger in April and later on. You and Traeger, uh, I mean, Chad Ward and you've worked together, not just teaching classes there in uh, Waxataw, Texas, but at the Treger headquarters and showing off their products.
2: Yeah. Chad, that's the, that is probably the coolest thing I have going on. Chad Ward is a dear friend of mine for a long time, and he and I always say, how cool is it to get to work with your friends? I mean, this is nuts. He's got a really cool brand, whiskey band. I've got a cool brand. And we get to work together, and like you know, we're, sometimes we'll be an event. Where we're like, dude, we're getting paid. Like, <laughs> like I don't mean like handing me a check to do what we're doing, but you know what I mean. Like, we're at Memphis in May on behalf of Traeger. I'm like, this is this is living the dang American dream. We're making barbecue and like being compensated. It's crazy. So it's a lot of fun. Chad is an amazing guy, and to to be able to do these Facebook lives and things we do together, it it. I don't know, man. We've got, tell him we've got chemistry like we ought to be at the sports center. So it's a lot of fun working with him for sure.
0: That's Matt Pittman with Meat Church. And coming up, more from Matt, including will he be at Memphis and May's World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest
3: next month? This is the rub on 600 WRC and 92.1 FM. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. I'm Jimmy Shotwell. And I'm Forrest Goodman. Don't
0: forget, you can always download the show for free. iTunes, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, and of course, listen for free every Saturday afternoon right here at 3 on
3: 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Matt Pittman is a man behind Meat Church. He's a championship cooker. He holds numerous classes about barbecue and has great product that I can find on my shelf at my store at Memphis Barbecue Supply. Next month is the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest right here in Memphis. Will Matt be part of it?
2: Oh, heck yeah. Kidding me? Yeah. I'm going to go
3: ahead and pencil it in because we're down there cooking, of course. I'm going to come over there with my phone, do a little interview with you and Chad at the same time. Bring a little, you'll have the Miller Lite. I'll bring a couple of bottles of whiskey, and uh, we'll see what kind of trouble we can get into down there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can't miss Memphis in May. That's just the party
3: of all parties. So i'll be there well the other thing i've looking at your class schedule i've already got it circled june the 8th uh 2019 uh you've got malcolm reed coming to the meat church headquarters to do a cooking class i mean malcolm is it's a massive name and you and malcolm together do you need somebody back there to wash the dishes for this class because i'll be happy you, to come down are, there
2: you are absolutely welcome to come help us we always have like five folks that help and so I feel like that one won't have any shortage of people wanting to, to come on, but book your, I'm serious. If you book your flight, come down, drive down, whatever, heck, you could hitch a ride with him.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, you're welcome to come down. It should be a, a ton of fun. We were together at Traeger a few weeks ago for the launch of their new grills, and so we've been talking about this for a year, and, you know, we're both busy, and finally I said, we're not leaving this trip until we pin this down, and so we, we penciled in the date together, and, and we decided to do back to back. We're gonna get together, let's do it Saturday and Sunday. So there's two chances for people to come to class.
3: And I mean, I've seen Malcolm on his YouTube videos like everybody else. I've seen you on your videos, your Facebook Live. Both of y'all have unique styles of teaching barbecue. I mean, I I love how you do briskets, beef ribs also. I mean, Malcolm does a great pork rib. So you combine you you two guys together, I'm really interested in doing this. Oh, I'm I'm
2: really, really excited. So that's that's one of the coolest things that we've created. Like when you so these classes I talked about, I'm I do it to create a unique experience. I want someone to leave and be like, That was cool. And so people ask me like why are your tickets so cheap? You could be going higher, all things aren't about money, you know. I want I want people to leave thinking they would give us a five star review. And the thing that we've been doing over the past couple of years is I'm working with people that I look up to um, and also, again, creating a unique experience. So sometimes I teach with people that may not teach. They might not be accessible, whatever the case is. I've, you know, taught with guys off the Herald Texas Monthly Top 50 Top Barbecue Joint list to guys like Mo Kaysan. So those are the most fun for me. I get to sit back and watch them and learn, and I learn a ton in every one of them. I mean, heck, I'd rather not teach at those. I'd rather just sit and watch. So... That should be good. I'm doing brisket and beef ribs. Malcolm's doing whole shoulder and um, pork ribs, and then we'll throw in something like as a surprise. And we're going to do a, obviously a video while he's here. Got to get that content. So I'm uh, I'm super excited to have
3: him. Are we going to do some pork belly? Uh, uh, those burnt pork belly burnt ends. That was a little argument yeah, we, and discussion a couple yeah, of years ago. <laughs>
2: Oh man, I know. I thought we'd move past that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, we cannot. Yeah. We cannot forget and what we're talking about, folks. Pork belly, burnt ends. It was a fad that was a couple of years ago, and Matt and you've really brought it to the forefront um, of, of it was just these great things to eat on. And then you had some folks going, "That's not burnt ends." Yeah,
2: and, and it well, was just and, a little controversy so, yeah, about that. Pretty popular little discussion. I mean, what's happened is 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 Ray Lampy just kept saying, you know. There's only one burn-in, right? You don't call that a pork belly burn-in, and I get that, and I don't argue that. But what happened, what finally brought it to the forefront, because I'm, I'm. all look, I barbecue to bring people together, have a good time, no drama. I don't, look, my way's not the right way. How you cook's how you cook. I don't judge. You do you. Call it what you want. I don't care. But what happened was there was a barbecue festival in Texas. The promoter asked me to go on TV and promote it, which I did. Someone recorded the video, put it on Facebook, and tagged Ray and said, don't think Ray, good job, but don't think Ray would call us a burn-in. And, you know, he, he's got a voice, right? He's been around a long time and, and just made his point, no, fine, I respect that. And so I respectfully replied back and said, I get why you say that. However, here's the other side that people are saying. If you take a pork belly and you cook it like a brisket until it's basically done, and then you cube it up, season it, sauce it, put it back on an hour, I could see why they call it a pork belly burn-in. With that said... I call it both. In fact, this weekend, I'm just calling it pork belly, and, and that was then. And even this weekend, I just posted on my Instagram today some pork belly, and I didn't call it pork belly, Brennan. I don't care what you call it. So It's they went good. On. So it is good, and no me, matter what. I'm to tag us both. And, and then so I, I just kind of had enough. and put my foot in ground I said, look, dude, you – you don't get to write the authority i respect what you've done that's fine i'm doing my own thing now
0: hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Great. To each his own. So, you know, it is what it is. I'll call it delicious and we'll move on.
3: It is delicious. It is delicious. I've, t- I've taught that actually at one of our classes at the store. It's one of my little favorite little nuggets to do for tailgate, uh, especially when we got a long day to sit out there at Tiger Lane to fire up the grills and cook. Uh, so we are looking forward to see you at Memphis and May. You're going to be with the Trekker crew down there, uh, Chad, and I'm assuming Diva Q and everybody else will be there at Memphis and May.
2: Yeah, I think Danielle might have something, a commitment overseas, I think, so I don't know, if I got my events right, she may not be there for this one, Um, I don't know, I'm not sure, but yeah, we're definitely going to have a crew, and uh, we're going to change it up a little, you know what, Chad and I have been talking, and we go to these events for Traeger, and you spend so much time interfacing with people that the contest is an afterthought, and I hate to say that's not an excuse, but... He and i both said you know we need to like actually focus on this so uh, we did that at houston and we finaled in brisket so hopefully we can create a schedule to where we can actually like be respectable at the contest this year
0: <laughs> that's matt Pittman, and you can find out more at Meatchurch.com. coming up we're getting closer and closer to memphis in may the month-long event which will bring tom lee park to life downtown what is happening right now to get it ready Daniel Lewandowski with Memphis in May
3: lets us know. This is The Rub on 600 WRC and 92.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Jimmy Shotwell.
0: And I'm Forrest Goodman. Stay in touch with the show on Twitter. Just follow us at The Rub Podcast. You can also check us out on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast. Very, very soon, you will see life at Tom Lee Park. It will transform from a city park into a small town with all of the Memphis in May festivities coming up. Daniel
3: Lewandowski is with Memphis in May.
1: He's in his third
3: year serving as the event operations
1: manager. So I've been with Memphis in May. Uh, This will be my third festival with them. Okay. Okay. Um, but prior to here, um, my background's more actually in music business. Um, I grew up doing some work uh, for some venues um, as like just kind of helping with production on those and sides and ticketing and some logistics with artists and uh, scheduling like that. So I went to school and got a degree in music business because um, that's kind of where I thought I was going to go into. And I've always been drawn towards the live music or just the live events um, aspect of the industry. Um, so I did some work once I graduated, as a uh, assistant tour manager and a uh, merchandise manager for a um, for a band called I Prevail. Uh, did two runs with them mm-hmm. um, right out uh, right out of school, and um, after just kind of getting some touring experience, I wanted to uh, just kind of transition from being uh, on the road for you know uh, seven eight weeks at a time. Uh, to having a more stable life uh, back at home. So went in from that to doing uh, a little bit of concert promoting work. And uh, from there, it's uh, where I met our current uh, VP of Operations, uh, Floyd Benson, uh, and got connected to him. And when he transitioned back over to Memphis in May, it's uh, kind of where I uh, reached out to him when I saw the opening for new operations manager position and... After, uh, you know, series of interviews and all that fun stuff, uh, I was lucky enough to get the position.
3: So, operations manager position there at Memphis May, I mean, that's a, that's a nice title. It's a year round position. What, what, what is your job entitled, not just now, right before the festival, but in August, in December, and then in May itself?
1: Sure. So, uh, outside of just doing the um, park operations, um, I also have primary event responsibility for the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest. And our Great American River Run, which is a half marathon and 5K. So a lot of my work is actually um, planning and prepping uh, the different elements of these events. And we've got uh, Lake Ford Barbecue. We have our judging seminar in the fall that we're um, that we got to get all of our new trained judges uh, for the next year. So working on elements like that. But outside of that, um, my role turns into more of a uh, kind of facilities and uh, like office and warehouse kind of operations, so just upkeeping uh, our facilities and our equipment and making sure uh, all of our our assets are uh, being maintained and taken care of, uh, that way everything's ready. Once we move back into park mode, uh, basically after the first of the year, we start really picking up and heavily moving on there.
3: So, when you say park mode, so when, when do y'all take possession of the park? How does that transition from Tom Lee Park, that we all know and love, to now an event place that's going to have multiple events in a month?
1: Yeah. So, we actually are moving into the park in five days. So, we take over um, typically the second to last weekend or the second to last week in April. Uh, we move into the park, and then we're in there for 40 days. So that um, gives us basically 32 days that are all build and setup days, and eight days that are uh, all event days. Um, so yeah, it's really when we're going to start moving in, and um, and I mean it's we're I mean, it's hitting the ground running for sure. So as soon as we take control of the park, because uh, we only have a little over uh, or a little under two weeks to get everything ready for uh, the Bill Street Music Festival, and uh, in that time we're also setting up all of the month-long operations, so all of our uh, operations compounds, uh, like the plumbing lines, uh, main electrical lines, internet, uh, basically building a uh, small town in, uh, in a few weeks.
3: It's, it's always interesting coming across the bridge coming back into Memphis from the Arkansas side during the month of May or right there prior because you see the scaffolding being built. You see the tents laid out over there. You see the work going on just as you're driving into Memphis. You see that entire park laid out there. And like you said, you're building a small town. During Music Fest, you'll average about 30,000 people a day, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, barbecue Fest, uh, about 70,000 folks for the entire event, if I'm not mistaken. So you basically are creating a little town uh, that it's in Memphis, that's in Tom Lee Park, that is in use going for eight days out of the thirty-two or forty days that
1: you've got it. Yep, yeah, that's correct. And especially with um, uh, barbecue, um, it's really more of a its own city because uh, you've got you know over two hundred and twenty different teams all creating their own um, their own spaces, their own I mean their own structures, their own. They've all got their own um, plumbing and well. To an extent they've all got their own restrooms they've got electrical they've got all of their tents and structures so it, it becomes a, a little town
3: now how, how do you i mean there's been years and years and years of y'all being laying out the park for barbecue fest what goes into back in february when we start getting all the applications in from everybody to laying that out in your mind to how you're going to fit all these teams in the park
1: Yeah, so like you said, uh, we really have to wait until yeah, basically once all applications are in before we can even even start, um, because we have to have all of the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, And so once we have all those in place, we then uh, basically look at how can we maximize the space that we have available to us. And for the most part, uh, teams are consistent with uh, their sizes. Uh, Like a lot of them have been there for a long time. They want to be... You know, they've they've been a 26-by-50 for forever, and that's just what they want to be, and they've got all their setup designed for it. Uh, so for the most part, you can kind of count on the consistency, uh, but then uh, there's some years like this where I had a good number of teams actually uh, increase their sizes a little bit. Uh, and so when we start getting a lot of those, then, you know, it doesn't seem like much if the team goes up six feet, like, in width, there, and when you have, you know, twenty of those teams go up six feet in width. <laughs> That's
3: 120 <laughs> feet that you've got to deal with linear feet right there. That so you got to yep. figure out where to come up with that.
1: Yep. So it it is a it is a huge puzzle. Um, over the years, we went from literally just drawing it on a map with rulers, just kind of to scale, and kind of taking previous maps and just kind of modifying the booths, uh, just uh, and kind of taking it. estimated guess and then putting it in CAD. Uh, But the last couple years uh, I've been working with uh, our logistics volunteer committee uh, who are made up of uh, professional surveyors. And uh, So I meet with uh, one of them and we we sit in AutoCAD and actually on the map go through, here's all the sizes, let's make this booth this size and move this here so we can actually see in real time how the park is going to uh, fit and make sure that Uh, make sure that we do have room for, uh, for all the spaces and we can get them in correctly.
3: So you're leading up to Memphis in May. I'm kind of a numbers guy. I'm a nerd when it comes to uh, that kind of stuff. What, what number wise can you give me that's going to astonish me? Like how, how many Porter Johns have you already ordered and gotten ready for that month?
1: Sure. So yeah, some, some pretty cool facts on numbers we have. Uh, so like for Porter Johns, we get about 250, um, Total that we rent, and I mean, those will vary from event to event. Uh, I mean, Bill Street Music Festival obviously has uh, the most amount of port-a-johns that we rent. Uh, we bring that number down by maybe a third for, uh, for the barbecue contest and for um, and for uh, this, like Celebrate Memphis, because uh, for barbecue, almost every team's getting their own, anyways. Um, so, yeah, about 250 Portageons. Um, so, like, the amount of fencing that we use. Uh, is around seven miles of fencing. Oh my gosh! Uh, we bring in um, we probably put down about almost forty thousand square feet of ground cover. Uh, let's see. Other oh, our electricians uh, they put about uh, sixty thousand feet of of electrical cable down throughout the park to power everybody. And we probably use about or about three or four miles of PVC pipe for plumbing. Um, around the park and of course you know festivals are built on on zip ties (laughs) and duct tape so uh, like we we honestly go through like 20,000 zip ties over the course of the month wow
3: and that's that's really interesting. Is that something that you, the entire month it's gotta rotate out? You've got you've got a music fest that's set up totally different than Barbecue Fest. And then you've got the this year celebrate Memphis but it's been a nine oh one fest in the past. You've got that five K and, and and everything going on. You've got to transform this park in a couple of weeks and move in, move out, uh, everybody and everything safely. Uh, and speaking of safety, y'all in the past couple of years have really been emphasizing the weather and, uh, watching the weather really closely. What, what have y'all done to, to start keeping an eye on weather and how it affects your event?
1: Yeah. So, um, that's kind of something, uh, industry wide has become uh, a primary focus for um, the festival and events world in general is uh, just kind of the safety of our patrons. Um, and weather is just one of those that, um, it's, it's a known uh, unknown for us. So we know we're gonna have weather, and, but it's just that unknown variable of what is it gonna be for us. And so some steps that we've taken to, um, to up our awareness and our uh, communication to uh, everyone involved is we actually have a on-site um, a weatherman who he's down there in the park um, on all of the days and just monitoring the weather for us so our meteorologist is keeping track on um, all of the conditions um, not just in the park but all of us all around us regionally and um, he's keeping us up to up to the minute on on anything that they see coming so There's a lot of times where they'll see Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck.
3: I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at champacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
2: I will call upon you to do a service
3: for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
1: We'll see stuff going on, um, like many, many miles away from us. And he's able to almost, um, it's crazy how accurate he is to pinpoint when it's going to reach us, um, and how bad it's going to be. Uh, in most cases, um, like most most of the stuff that comes to us actually tends to push right around us. Um, so it'll start coming up and then kind of curve off away. A lot of times. Um,
3: we jokingly call that the bluff, that the, the, the yep. storms come through there and it, and they see the bluff and it goes around <laughs> the bluff or around us and it goes around. But we have been affected many times. Uh, prior to you being there, many times there's been horror stories of, of bad straight line winds coming across the river, rain, uh, thunder and lightning that we really never paid really that much attention to in the past, but it's really been emphasized these last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and I mean – like I was saying, that's something that uh, it's kind of become an industry standard now. Is um, um, it, we're now being more proactive with um, with how we handle weather situations um, versus how it has been uh, historically, where it's just kind of once it hits, now we're gonna just react. And we're trying to be more into the proactive approach to it.
3: And, and um, speaking kind of of the security and everything, you've got your, in there on site, you've got your own private security. MPD is down there, Sheriff's Department. When do you all start working with those organizations to start planning the event and the security aspects of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, we well, we actually meet with um, all involved parties. Uh, we do post-event uh, meetings. Uh, typically, we do that about a month Uh, About a month to eight weeks after the festival, we'll make sure to do recap meetings with uh, all the parties from the previous years. And so we just go over everything that uh, went well and things that we want to improve upon uh, from the previous year. And so that's really the time where we kind of wrap that up and then start talking about, all right, well, now now that we know what happened here, how can we do this better uh, this next time? And so we're really starting, you know, eight weeks, out from the previous event, we're wrapping things up and starting to look towards um, towards the next year. And then, we'll, of course, uh, we'll have kind of sporadic meetings from you know July through you know October, and then it starts picking up in that November, December, and then definitely January one. Um, it's like a complete uh, complete uh, like flip of a switch here for us, where something about as soon as. January one of the next year hits, <laughs> um, the speed just picks up tremendously.
0: That's Daniel Lewandowski with Memphis in May. Coming up, our question of the
3: week: What's going on? And just in time for Easter, the recipe of the week. This is the Rub on six hundred WRC and ninety two point one FM. This is the Rub. Welcome back, and happy Easter weekend. I'm Jimmy Shotwell.
0: And I'm Forrest Goodman. Our question of the week comes from Twitter, and you can follow us on Twitter, at the Rub Podcast. by the way. Eli writes, Jimmy, do you have any recommendations on what to do with all the leftover eggs from the Easter weekend hunts? I'm looking for something more than just
3: egg salad. Any help? Well, okay, so leftover eggs, best thing to do if you've got someone that uh, was on your naughty list, you can go hunt them down and throw them at their house, but that's oh, probably wow. not, not the, what you're asking Man, for. a
0: whole <laughs> different side of Shotwell here I wasn't expecting.
3: <laughs> Just kidding. No, I mean, you've got a lot of things to use for leftover eggs, if they're still cold after cooking, that is. Uh, if you've got leftover hard-boiled eggs that you haven't done anything with, exile of course, is an option. Put them in a chicken salad. Put it in a tuna salad. It's great flavor there. But how about some smoked deviled eggs? That sounds great. So if you've got cooked hard boiled eggs, go ahead and put them on the smoker, real low temperature, 200 degrees, and just get in the smoke to them. You're not cooking them to heat them up. They're already cooked. You're just getting the smoke to them. For about 20 minutes or so, just get in the smoke to them just to give that smoky flavor. Then pull them off the smoker, slice it open like you would normally. Pull the yolks out. Do you like – let me ask you this. Do you like uh, – Relish and everything in your deviled eggs. No,
0: I, I am very anti relish in the deviled eggs.
3: Okay, I'm a mayonnaise kind of person. Mix a little mayonnaise, a little bit of this and that. My- I like I like the mayonnaise, the mustard, the celery yeah. salt. Um, I,
0: I've even known people to chop up some bacon and, and and mix it in there. You don't want to overdo it because nah. then it can get it can be too much. But just for a little bit of taste. Yeah. my wife she does not believe in in deviled eggs unless it has relish in there and i just don't do the
3: relish so i don't do the relish either but you've got some folks who are who are like your wife who are big proponents of it absolutely i mean i want that deviled egg I want a nice flavor but doing it this way you're gonna get a nice smoky flavor now i'm not talking like so smoky it's like you're chewing on a piece of wood but it's a nice smoky accent that's on the the, the deviled eggs. so that's that's one thing you do that really is different uh with your leftover eggs but of course tuna salad Egg salad, you mix all that up in there. It's never let it go to waste.
0: I also like to chop up a little olive, green olive, to put in there as well,
3: so you don't get that taste of the relish, but you get that green color, that little transfer. Yeah. That, that well, just- you get
0: just a, a different taste from the, yeah. the green olive, so I like to do that too. But don't put again. Don't do too much because the taste yeah. will be overwhelming. Uh, you don't want to lose the flavor of the egg. You can send your question to us. Just follow at the Rub Podcast on Twitter. All right, Jimmy, we are approaching quickly. Wow! next weekend will be the last weekend of April. So what should we be looking for before we head into
3: May? So, I mean, we've talked about all these events coming up. I mean, next weekend, you've got some of the big ones. The last big barbecue contest prior to Memphis May, South Haven Springfest. But well, This is a contest where a lot of the teams have their last little tune-up for the whole hog, the shoulder, and the ribs and get ready for Memphis May. It's over in the Snowden Grove uh, area down in uh, North Mississippi, down in South Haven. Uh, it's not only as a KCBS contest, but it's also an MBN contest. So that's going on next weekend. That's going to be a big one down there. Should have 50-plus teams cooking in, in both the MBN and the KCBS side.
0: Yeah, does that make it more difficult that they're doing two separate – Sanctioned contest in one big event like that? Yeah,
3: your turn in times get really funky. I mean you you usually your turn in for the blind boxes for MBN start that morning and then you've got your KCBS turn in time start to overlap, but usually right there after MBN. But then hey, if you made finals for MBN You've got to get ready while your KCBS stuff is turning in. So it really makes it complicated, really trying to balance out that. You need some extra hands if you're doing a dual contest And, like and, and, a, and
0: a good stopwatch. <laughs>
3: yes. I mean, if, if it was a double KCBS contest or a double SCA contest, you're cooking the same thing. You're just doubling up your timeline. Sure. Here is two totally separate timelines, especially if you're doing the full MBN event where the whole hog, the shoulder, the pulled pork area, and the ribs versus KCBS where you've got chicken, ribs, pulled pork, and brisket. It's two totally separate timelines that you're cooking with, temperatures, so it makes it really challenging. That's where a large team or a lot of friends and family and in-laws really help you out at a contest like that. So you that going out in South Haven. Here in Memphis at Hope Church, you've got Beast Feast going on, which has traditionally been a barbecue contest for the men's group there at Hope Church. But this year is an SCA, State Cookoff Association event, with pork as an ancillary. They're doing ribs as an ancillary. They got chicken. Good amount of money, actually, on the line there. A little bit over $3,000, I believe, is the prize money out there at Hope Church. And uh, it's a cheap entry fee. I think it's $100 to cook steak out there, and they supply you the steak. All the other categories you can add on as you go. So that's a great thing to do if you're looking to get your feet wet. All the big boys are going to be at South Haven. You can go to Hope Church and learn how to do a steak cook-off and show off how your ribs are. So that's a good thing to do. Also, on the 28th, you've got the Raging Cajun uh, Gumbo Fest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I call it Gumbo Fest. They call it the Eating Fest, <laughs> where you've got tons and tons of crawfish, but they do have a gumbo cooking contest with the Raging Cajun event downtown. So it's good in the port Lee. It's a great little fundraiser for them. I've always enjoyed cooking that gumbo contest down there. It's actually the first time uh, Bill Pope and a couple of friends of ours got together and we cooked together and we won that. Oh man, it was almost ten years ago, but we had so much fun and we could never duplicate what we did. Sure, because we didn't write down the recipe. <laughs> we did not write down the recipe we just we had this idea of what we we're gonna do and we cooked it and the uh, next thing we know we walking across stage and I'm like how in the world did this happen and uh, it's a fun thing So those are the three biggies next weekend now in the outside of the Memphis area you do have some more contests and more events but those are the three big ones I'll f- focus on this upcoming weekend because after that weekend, Everybody's starting to get geared up for Memphis May in the local area. Now, you're still going to have some events come that first weekend of May, the week, weekend of Music Fest, and everything else, but uh, everybody's going to start gearing up and get focused on Memphis in May. But we'll keep you abreast of what's going on in the local area, and we'll see what kind of fun we can have. And as we
0: wrap things up, it is Easter weekend, and we do wish everyone a happy Easter, and that means ham and And more, so why not fire up the smoker and smoke that ham, Jimmy?
3: Yeah, there's no reason to warm up your house and heat up your kitchen. Let's go ahead and fire up the smoker. That spiral cut ham that your wife or you bought at the grocery store back on Wednesday when it was on sale, this is the time to go ahead and add more flavor to it. Hit it with some double smoke out there on your smoker. Add some flavor to it. That package that came with it for that brown sugar or honey glaze, go ahead and throw it away. We're going to rub that ham down with some all-purpose rub like Boards Night Out White Lightning or Uncle Pookie Love or just salt, pepper, garlic, whatever you want to put on there. Put on the smoker. Let it smoke for about an hour and a half or so, just getting the smoke flavor, getting that bark done up real nice. Wrap it up in foil so you can keep cooking it. Uh, you're looking for internal temperature about 145 degrees. Now, this ham's already been cooked, more than likely. The spiral ham that you bought at the store has already been cooked. You're just warming it up and adding flavor to it. Once you've got it wrapped up and you get it to temperature, take that tin full off and you can glaze it. Now, this is kind of the fun part. We've got Dagle's pineapple heat in the store we've used it for class before. It's been Beautiful, wonderful glaze. Uh, I,
0: I own a couple of bottles of it.
3: It is so good on ham. Uh, that's what I traditionally do at my house is use that. But you can use Captain Rodney's—that little dip that we use over the holiday times. Captain Rodney's bouquet glaze. You can glaze it with that. You can make up your own little pineapple glaze with brown sugar and, pi- and pineapple juice. You can do whatever you want to to this ham to get your flavor that you want to do. Uh, so this is like we talk about chickens—like a blank canvas. You can add whatever flavor to this double smoked ham is the same way so yeah that is what's going to be on my plate this weekend at the shotwell house i've got the in-laws coming in I actually got some family from louisiana coming up so it's going to be a nice little weekend there um we may actually fire up the grill and do some more lamb additionally i mm. don't know yet depends yeah. what kind of deals i can find this weekend so yeah
0: happy easter to you and the shotwell family jimmy this weekend as always enjoyed doing the show this week and you guys uh, enjoy the family time
3: Forrest, thank you so much. Hopefully your family has a great Easter weekend. Hopefully no softball. Hope you all can relax this weekend and uh, enjoy your family, enjoy your time together.
0: And happy Easter to all of you listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of the show as we wrap up the month of April. So have a good weekend. For Jimmy Shotwell, I'm Forrest Goodman. Get out there and grill, cook, or smoke something good this weekend. So long, everybody. You can listen to The Rub on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, and Google Play. You can also hear it Saturday afternoons at 3 on 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Like The Rub on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast. You can also follow the show on Twitter. Just search at The Rub Podcast. The Rub is a production of Memphis Barbecue Supply, Good Media, and 600 WREC and 92.1 FM.